Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. One of the great things about hosting this podcast is that there just seems to always be a steady stream of new topics, and we venture in that direction today. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and um, really, despite having done hundreds of podcasts with the attorneys at Lavelle Law over a a number of years now, there's always more to cover. And today, uh, I have the advantage of being joined by the managing partner of the firm, Ted McGinn. And really, for the first time, we're going to talk about a rather common topic, which are zoning laws. Um, Ted, first of all, it's been a while, so nice to talk to you. Thanks for making the time today. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. And uh, you know, certainly this is an interesting topic, and it probably impacts you know more people than they realize it. But yeah, yeah, and I, I know it impacts you. You you serve on a municipal uh, uh, zoning board, board of appeals. Is is that where this happens? Is zoning generally handled by municipal ordinance? Yeah, I, I've been uh, a member of the Palatine Zoning Board of Appeals for a number of years, uh, and yeah, usually these are handled on a municipality basis. You know, not so much state or you know or national level, more more of a local sort of uh, regulation. And do you find a lot of commonality from one municipality to another? There's sort of a standard set of guidelines, or do they vary quite a bit. Yeah, no, I, they're usually pretty similar. I mean, to back up a little bit, you know, what is a zoning ordinance? You know, I guess, you know, we're dealing with obviously in, in a suburban or, or city setting, as you can, as you see, there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and different homeowners and people living amongst each other. And as you can probably imagine, there's bound to be disagreements and conflicts with people and and the zoning ordinance is a, a kind of a, a regulatory framework that's designed to balance you know a couple of different forces on one hand you know people you own property you want to be free to do what you want with your property uh, you know it's kind of the American way uh, on the other hand uh, you know some person's use of their property may interfere or cause problems with mm-hmm. Their neighbors. So the zoning ordinance is a, is, a, is a kind of framework trying to design to balance those conflicting forces. And when you you mentioned homeowners, do do these ordinances cover commercial properties as well, or is it simply residential? No, certainly they cover commercial properties as well. I mean, you know, obviously within the the town and city, you got a, a number of different types of uses. You have your, you know, your basic single-family home. You have multiple-family homes, you know, apartment complexes or condominium complexes. Then, of course, you have, um, you know, commercial uses. You know, restaurants mm-hmm. or other businesses, uh, entertainment venues. That uh, they're all governed under the local municipal zoning ordinance in one way, shape, or form. And what what are some of the standard topics that would be covered? What you mentioned, homeowners wanting to do things and maybe having conflict with with neighbors or surrounding homeowners. What what are some of the topics that generally get covered under a zoning ordinance? Yeah, very common. Usually, uh, what comes up is uh, I guess two different things. One could be a uh, a person already owns property or may already be a tenant in the town and and or you know or they own property and they want to do something a little bit different. They want to you know, maybe 
construct a, an addition to their home or put in a new fence or, or something along those lines. So they have their existing property, they already own it, and they want to they want to kind of do some sort of change. The other common you know request we see is somebody coming in and wants you know a new use. They're moving into the location. Maybe it's a new business that's going to lease a new space. They may want to try to use the space in a manner that's that maybe different from what is normally used in that locality, uh, or or it may be they want to use it in a way that uh, the town has decided that that this use is such that we need to look over and make sure that they're going to use it in a way that that is uh, not going to be dangerous for other people. You know, some sort of a you know serious use of the property. So those are the two kind of general global requests that come through. Okay, and and that process, uh, those requests come through a, a zoning board. Um, tell me a little bit about the role that a, that a zoning board plays in a in a community. Yeah, sure. I mean, the zoning board is uh, typically it's, it's a group of individuals that's appointed by the mayor of the town, and they are uh, an advisory board. So any sort of decision or ruling made by the zoning board is not determinative. You know, they would make a decision. They, you know, procedurally to back up a little bit, if somebody wants to make a zoning change, whether it's, you know, we'll get to this in a little bit, but you have a variance or you have a special use, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be, um, the, the uh, homeowner or the property owner or the person with an interest in the property, they would start by, you know, filling out the application with the village uh, the application would entail them filling it out, describing exactly what they're trying to do. It would have to tie in what is their connection to the property. Are they owners or are they a tenant? And then also they would be asked to submit any sort of relevant information in connection with their request, you know, such as maybe building plans. You may have architectural drawings. You may have if it's a restaurant, for example. You may have a menu that, that, that they want to submit. So any, any sort of documentation that is relevant would be submitted to go along with that application. A lot of times also the village there, you know, they work great with these applicants, you know, they'll review everything and make sure everything's done properly, make suggestions and, and help the applicant out as best they can mm -hmm. in, in putting together that application. But that's the starting point that, that is put out by the, uh, uh, the, by the applicant and that gets the process started. And, and you mentioned that a zoning board would, would serve in an advisory capacity. So, Take me through the process. Does a request come to the zoning board? They evaluate and then what? Pass it on to the village board or whatever municipal government there is to make a final decision. Yeah, there's a couple steps that have to happen once the application is prepared and submitted and the appropriate fee paid by the applicant. Once that happens, then the you know the village will send out notice to neighboring properties. You know, prop, you know people nearby they have a right to be put on notice of any sort of changes that may be coming up in, in, in one of the parcels right next door to them so they have an opportunity to be heard. In addition, uh, the village will actually uh, install a sign on the actual property in question. You, you, know, you drive around the village, you may often see various signs here and there that will indicate that you know, a zoning change is, is pending there. And, again, that will put neighbors uh, to the location on notice. So, again, if they're concerned about it, they have a right to come in and, and appear at the zoning board. So mm -hmm. the, the, the zoning board, we meet 
you know, it depends on how busy things are, you know, maybe once a month, maybe uh, once every other month. It depends on how many applications are coming through the process. But once, uh, you know, once the application is through, the notice is sent to the neighboring properties, the date will be determined, and there will be an actual zoning hearing, in which case the uh, applicant or the petitioner will get the opportunity to come in and make, you know, attend a oath, and they would make their presentation to the board and, and um, you know the, the board certainly will sit back and hear them and review the application along with all the relevant documentation. The board would then possibly ask the petitioner questions about their intended use, and uh, you know, and then also any people in the audience who you know maybe like I said they got notice in the mail, they may have saw the sign, if they decide to appear and show up at the hearing, they also have a right to appear and stand up and. They're also put under oath. They can ask questions of the petitioner. They can ask questions of the village, um, and and that's you know the, the, it's a little it could be a little bit of back and forth. You know if, if they do want to ask questions, you know if they want to object to the potential use, uh, they can certainly do that. Voice their objection for the record. The uh, mm -hmm. applicant or petitioner would then get an opportunity to come up and and respond to any objections that may have been raised and try to address those those concerns. And, and that's really uh, how the how the hearing unfolds. Well, let's let's dive a little deeper. We're talking with Lavelle Law Managing Partner Ted McGinn on Chicago's Legal Latte today, and we're discussing the zoning process for various properties in local municipalities. Um, Ted has shared his time and knowledge many times on this uh, podcast, and today's our first topic on this particular discussion. But you can always retrace our steps and. Download past podcasts, read articles he's authored by visiting LavelleLaw.com. Great resource for a lot of different information, uh, LavelleLaw.com. Um, Ted, I want to go back to you mentioned variances, and I guess that's part of the process. If, I guess everyone followed the ordinance. We wouldn't need a board, so I assume that once the ordinance is written, the people who come, the petitioners, are kind of looking to do something outside of the ordinance. Is that the way to evaluate it? Yeah, in a variance, that is typically something somebody already owns property in the neighborhood. They want to want to make a change to their property, uh, possibly adding an addition, putting in a putting in a fence, maybe repaving the driveway. You know, when you when you have your property, your building, your your the actual building has to be set back so many feet from from the from the road. Your fences can only be located so far to your neighboring property. You also have easements you have to consider. So if you have uh, someone who wants to make a change to their property, I would definitely recommend that they uh, consult with the applicable uh, ordinance, you know, zoning ordinances, to make sure that uh, what they're planning to do doesn't require a variance. Uh, you know, I've, I've, we've on the board a number of times people come through. They've already done the project in question, and then you know the the village finds out about it, raises an issue, and then they have to come before the board after the fact and when that happens you know you sometimes feel sorry for them because you know they've already spent this money done this work and you know we still have to review it based upon the applicable standards and the last thing you'd hate you hate for it to happen but if if the uh you know if the variance is not acceptable you they may have to take whatever they did down but but you get to the the variance what is the standard you know what what is the standard that we look at so what when someone wants to have some sort of variance, the petitioner or the applicant must show that the property in question cannot yield a reasonable return if permitted to be used only under the conditions allowed by the regulations uh, you know, governing the, the property 
and that the plight of the owner is due to unique circumstances and the variation, if granted, will not alter the essential character of the locality. So, so you know, with a variance, you want to try to find some uniqueness of what they're requesting, what they're trying to do. And then also, I think the most important prong there is that it's not going to really alter the essential character of the locality. And that's where you start considering, you know, the neighbors. Is it going to really impact their property? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is a process that you kind of have taken us through, but I think you also mentioned earlier a, a special use, and that that uh, I assume is a little bit different than just a variance to an existing ordinance. Yeah, especially it's a little bit different. It's it's uh, you know where somebody wants to come in and maybe open up a restaurant, maybe open up a uh, medical practice, some sort of some sort of use on the property that may you know require some additional review from the municipality. The standard there is that the applicant or the petitioner they must show that the use, if granted, will be operated in a manner consistent with the public health, safety, and welfare and it will not have a negative impact on the value of surrounding property. So, again, that's where you get into how is it going to impact the neighbors. Like if you have a residential area and someone wants to come in and, and, and put in some sort of a manufacturing plan right in the plop down in the middle of, the, of, the, of a residential neighborhood, obviously that mm-hmm. you could have a lot of people unhappy about that, and it would have a negative impact on those surrounding properties. So, so if you're going to be, um, you know, trying to ask for a special use, you want to make sure that your use is going to be consistent with what's going on in that particular area. Is it residential? Is it commercial? Is it a busy area? Those, those are some of the factors you have to look into. And the other thing I would add, Jim, is that if you are a uh, tenant or you're looking to buy property or you're looking to sign a, sign a new lease, you may want to add a condition on any of those agreements that uh, all zoning um, requirements are met. You know, make sure there's a condition because if for some reason that the special use is not approved, you want to be able to, to terminate that contract or back out or be able to you know, get out of the deal without losing any sort of earnest money or deposit you may put down on that purchase. And I've got about 30 seconds before I let you go, but it, in addition to evaluating the immediate impact, you also have to be a little careful about setting precedent that if we allow this to happen now, someone's going to ask for it again and again, and we don't want to get yeah, too many Yeah, that comes up quite a bit. I mean, yeah, a lot of times you uh, you may you may feel for the applicant, you want to you want to help them out, uh, but the same token, you have to understand that if we permit this particular variance or special use. Uh, we may have another similar request in the future, and and you know, are we going to be, you know, based upon that precedent, force, uh, you know, allow another use, and and so yeah, you definitely got to be careful about that. Well, excellent. Uh, we appreciate the time today. Again, LavelleLaw.com or eight four seven seven zero five seven five 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 for more information. Ted, thanks for being here, and thanks to everyone for listening today. <laughs>